Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Keneally. What's up guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally and I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast. And we just want to say thank you so much. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We Yes, we drop a new episode every single Wednesday or Wednesday. We're actually recording Wednesday, Monday. Just kidding. We Monday. Help you start your week yes. off strong. And if you want to subscribe, rate, review, let us know what God's doing in your life. Let us know some amazing things that you've been challenged with. And we just want to hear from you. We've been praying for you. And we have, some, we have an awesome guest who just understands a sense of community. And we hope that you as a listener are going to experience, if you're not experiencing community right now, that you can have some awesome people come around you, whether you're leading, whether you are volunteering, or you're wanting to start something new on your college campus as a student or maybe within the local church. So we have a variety of listeners, but we're going to tune in specifically to a fun topic today. And it may lean a little heavy on the community side because we are all in need of community. So Josiah, I know that you've become friends with our guest um, and we kind of go way back from North Dakota, him and I, but I didn't really necessarily know him the greatest then, but we're getting to know him better now and his family. So Josiah, who is the special guest we have today? We're blessed to be joined by Steven Glasser. How are you, man? I'm so good. Thanks for having me on today. We're excited to have this conversation and our path crossed with Steven. I guess mine did at first while we were all in Chi Alpha, Mm -hmm. just in different states. And more recently, I feel like Steven has been one of the greatest gifts in my life of friendship and community and also encouragement. Mm -hmm. A little bit about him. He and his wife, Taylor, raise a family and live in Fargo, North Dakota, where he's at an amazing church. We've been to his church, Northview. He serves as a pastor overseeing discipleship and community life, as well as a thriving young adult community. He hosts, he hosts another great podcast called The Going Somewhere Podcast, which aims to help young adults navigate the ambiguous adventure of adulting and young adulthood through real and raw conversations. And at the core of everything, he desires to empower and equip ordinary people to follow Jesus and live everyday life to the fullest. So if that sounds like you, we're in store for a great conversation. Uh, But he and his wife, Taylor, love quality time together, hanging out with people. They're three amazing kiddos. And he loves to read and write and sports. So I know I covered a lot, but Stephen, what did I miss? Tell us some of your story of life and leadership. Wow. Thank you. That is quite the intro. Um, No, I love it. It's 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 so fun when I look back at my life and yes, Micah, we go back to when you were in Bismarck and Seriously. you were at Evangel and I grew up at Evangel in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, and really like my life from early was like revolving around the church. You know, we did, um, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. I was a part of JBQ junior Bible quiz. So if you, if you ask me some like Bible trivia, I think I got it, but I was only like the 10 pointers. So just give me the easy ones. Um, <laughs> like how many tribes of Israel were there? I don't want to name them. I just want how many, but, um, <laughs> buzz into the, yeah, answer. exactly the buzzer, but yeah, no. So like from a young age, just being exposed to truth, to God's word, yeah. um, just very loving family. Like my family, there was not a shortage of love and um, just being valued, but like anybody had my struggles of identity and, and, and figuring out who I was and, you know, had this like really strong church life. And then mm-hmm. also 
had these friends that I wanted to fit in with and be popular and be accepted. And so just trying to navigate that as a teenager, um, you know, really came, came to college in a place where I didn't know how like lonely I was in the sense of like, I had so many friends, but was missing something deeper, some, something authentic, something real. Um, and you know, got grafted into the Chi Alpha family at North Dakota state university, uh, day one, my friend, Dave Leadall, who is now my boss, uh, worked for him at Northview. He became my small group leader and we hosted it in my dorm room. And the first night of small group, he drug me around my floor and we knocked on every door and invited people to come into our small group. I was inviting guys to something I had never been to. And I was like, Hey, come to this thing. I have no idea what it's going to be. But, um, like that was just kind of like the spark of something really incredible that God used him and Brad Lewis and so many others in that context to really transform my life. Um, I was called into ministry, stayed on the public university because I just see the people we're leading are in the public setting. So Mm -hmm. I want to be exposed to that. I want to know what that's like. And so, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Went out to New Jersey for two years, uh, just south of Philly and worked for an incredible nonprofit, uh, AO one foundation came back and here we are working at the church. So it's, it's crazy. We're back home. We're near family. Grandma watches kids on Wednesdays today. She's at the house with the grandkids cleaning our house, doing all that great stuff, but it's been an adventure and one with lots of twists and turns, but we're very grateful for every step along the way. I love it. Steven, I love the fact that you left and came back because I think so many times we as humans get so comfortable in where we've come from in the Midwest. I'm from North Dakota and I, I left and I moved to Minnesota and I know it's one only one state over, but when you leave home, it's like the invitation to come back is always there. And I would rather not wonder the what ifs in life as a young adult leaving and stepping out and going beyond my borders or beyond my own, um, I don't know, comfort zone, I guess should say more or less. So it's fun to have you guys back in the Midwest and back in North Dakota, because I know God is doing some amazing things seriously in your church and in the young adults there and in the families and just in how the growth and how there's new growth. You know what I mean? Like there's pruning yeah. seasons and there's growing seasons. And I believe that your church by the sounds and the looks of it and what we've seen um, and what Josiah, Josiah has shared when he was with you guys a couple of weeks ago is like, God is moving. God is on the move and there's some yep. hungry, hungry people. And one thing that we want to talk about today is just like leaning into the importance of community, not only in our churches, um, but outside the church, because most of the conversations that are had are in the dorm rooms. They're in or around our kitchen table. They're Coffee in our shops. homes. Yeah. They're they're beyond the four walls of only a Sunday service where yes, you may meet some people there and your friendship grows beyond those four walls. So before we get into like the church side of your story, is there any specific moment that you had while you were a college student that you're just like, wow, I am impacted by friendship and community at such a deep level. And this is why I give back and why um, this is so dear to my heart when it comes to young adults and the church and beyond. For sure. I, you know, mentioned it briefly, but was really grafted into a family. And that's what it felt like. I mean, and coming from a strong family, like it wasn't that I had this large lack of like, I've never experienced love before, but I never experienced love from peers that way. And so it wasn't just being invited to things and 
like I never felt used. Like it felt like these people truly care for me. They care for the person I am, the person I'm becoming mm-hmm. and just wanted to do life with me. Um, some of my greatest memories of my early years in college are staying at uh, Dave Liedall's apartment with all these like older senior guys and just like staying up late, hanging out, getting up in the morning, seeing Dave read his Bible at like 7am when I'm just trying to sleep and him like blasting worship music and just seeing like the real deal. And then living with some of these friends and really praying over each other when things were tough. I remember one of my, uh, one of my best friends had an engagement that, that fell through and we got home and he was, he was crying out to the Lord and praying. And we just like got around him on our knees and we just hugged him. And it was just those moments, the big things, the small things that taught me like, man, I need people at every turn. Like I need Mm -hmm. people to do life with in my life. Growth, um, change has all happened in the context of relationship. And so, um, God using other people to, to really bring transformation. So it's like a whole season that felt that way, but it was the little moments of just being invited into everyday life with people that were the most transforming. Yeah. I love that. Steven, it's incredible. And I think for the listener too, like ministry on a college campus Mm -hmm. is so strategic. This is young adults. These are college students. And we've heard it said that the four years of college impact the next 40 years Mm -hmm. of decision-making and beyond. And I think that it's so inspiring and so strategic to minister on a college campus. And we are, none of us are actually actively doing that full time, but we all at one season of our life, were doing that. Mm And so I would just say, if you're listening and you're a part of a campus ministry, or if your church has a heart for mm-hmm. college campuses or students nearby, I think it's such a strategic thing that all of us can pray for, give to support, serve in any way that the Lord sees fit. And I think that um, I'm, I, I want to really zero in on this idea of community building, because we've all been either on a college campus or a part of a local church community. I know for me in my life, I was a part of a life-giving community as a college student off campus. And it was, it turned into a young adult ministry. Mm -hmm. And it was just a place where I could invite other friends who weren't following Jesus and they could be introduced to Jesus and meet great friends. But I think that I even at 31 recently had an experience where I met a new friend and Mm -hmm. I told Micah, I was like, I have been waiting my entire life for a friend like him. And I wonder how many people have been waiting their entire life for a godly community or Mm -hmm. for life-giving friendships, for those deep, meaningful friendships. And so I just love to pick your brain on this, Stephen. Why do you believe that for a local church pastor, for a young adult ministry leader, why is this idea of mm. building community so important when it comes to the local church? I mean, we desperately need it. You know, I, I know you could look at the research studies of um, loneliness being at an all-time high, and you can look at even that Harvard study at, you know, that that was kind of famous for <clears throat> studying over a long period of time what is most important in life and what makes a happy life. And it came back to relationships. And I think there that's not a, a shock to me. Like we desperately need it. Um, and, and just in the church, I just think there's 
that level of comfort in being in attendance and in being there that yet we miss out on what I, I really see when I read, when I open my Bible and look at the new Testament and I look at what that church embodied, it, it was life on life ministry. And you know, we just saw it. I, I get to lead our alpha course here at, at our church. And we had a young family that um, they they're engaged and they have two kids and they had a, a new baby. They came two days after the baby was born, which was remarkable, but some people at, at their table decided let's throw them a baby shower. So last Wednesday night wow. at alpha, we pulled back a curtain and we had diapers, wipes, clothes, Love it, um, and just seeing that emotion, seeing like, that's to me what the church is. And the crazy thing is just seeing like the impact that's made in her life. Um, beyond just learning more about God, like this is, she is learning about God through the actions of others. And that's what community really does. And, and so I could go on for hours talking about the importance of community, but I've just seen it so many times where people, it's the relationship. It's the, um, it's the embodiment of what God says and, and talks about when we live that out in community that's where God seems to work even harder and more, you know? Yeah. I love that. And I experienced the same thing back in North Dakota, just that generous heart, the authenticity, um, a family, you know, of hundreds of people who are just wanting to make God's name known and loving people through the process. And you never felt like a project. You just always felt loved and supported. And, there's that, um, I think it came out in 2019. So this is pre COVID. I don't even want to know this now, but it was the stats came out. I think it was Harvard did a study, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, if you're 55 and older and you're an adult male, your likeliness of making another friend by the time you die was like zero. Crazy. And the number one thing that's killing men at the age of 55 and beyond is a form of loneliness. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have this pandemic of loneliness in the midst of a pandemic. And the dilemma is that we can't be face to face with people, but that's gone now, but this was pre COVID. You know what I mean? So right. it's kind of like, okay, Lord, what are you doing? And how do you do, how do we do that as leaders and always leave room for one more or several more at our table, inviting people in? Because I always say one, every person is one invitation away from eternity with Christ one invitation away. And how selfish would I be if I had the answer for eternity? Not because I am the answer. I have the answer, but I am not willing to extend an invitation out of fear or doubt or worry. So Stephen, I would just love to pick your brain, just taking it to the next level. How can churches and how can Josiah and myself and any other leader listening, like how can we just get better at connecting? Like not overcomplicating it, maybe going back to the basics, but how do we do that? And I know it looks different for de different demographics and all those different things, but biblically speaking, or things that you've seen work throughout the years, how do we go back to the heart of Christ when it comes to connecting with people? Yeah, that's so good. I, I, I think this is like one of those things that I'm learning and continuing to dive deeper into. I think a couple of things that come to mind right away are just the initiative to be the creator of community. I think a, a big roadblock I, I face a lot is a lot of people, specifically young adults too, that will say like, I just need more community. I need more community or people that go into smaller towns or they move from Fargo 
and they kind of face this reality of like, whoa, you know, what I had was so beautiful and so amazing. And it's not about recreating that, but we have to realize that like, we have something in us that we can give to the world. Like if we're lacking that and we know it, there's a lot of people that don't even know what they're missing out on. And I think that's what I've just seen time and time again is when we create community for others and we make room, like you said, Micah, that's so big because uh, I, I feel like what I come across a lot is like, I lead our life groups here at our church and we have about 41 adult life groups and uh, our college ministry context. We had about that many on the college campus every year. And it was like the heartbeat of everything we did. We're in the yeah. church side of things. It's, it's like, it's way harder. You've got kids, you've got uh, activities, you're a part of boards, you're, you're doing all these things. And, uh, and we also, as we go through life, we, we have a few close friends and uh, mm-hmm. I was doing a training with our life group leaders. And I just said, if I'm being honest, I probably don't need my life group because I have really good friends that pour into me, that equip me, that just love on me. But over the last six months, we've seen about eight couples come into our life group that have never had that before. And if we weren't willing to make that and make that room and create a bigger space, we meet in this giant room at our church, kids run around rampant. Uh, and, and we mm-hmm. just try to have a, a little conversation while our kids are playing, we're getting up, going, helping kids, but it's been so meaningful and life-giving for us, but also for these people that have never had that before. And so it's just like, we need to prioritize it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's most churches have the word connect somewhere in their mission statement, values, vision, but is it the true priority? Right. Because I think if our goal is to have a big church or to, to have a healthy looking church, uh, we can grow content with butts and seats, you know, right. cause it's, and it's good. People are hearing life transformation messages, but like we've talked about, you really need the people to come alongside. And so I know one of the things that, um, you know, Dave, our, our lead pastor, he's been in his position for about a year right now. One of the first meetings that we implemented was what we call our one P meeting, which is essentially, it's a philosophy that everybody needs one person to help them get connected to the church and better connected to Jesus. And so we can't just rely on our systems of go to the connect table or go to this or talk to this person. We need an actual person that's going to engage this person. And it's sometimes staff, but sometimes we go, man, I think, I think this person also works at that same business that this person works at. Like we're Facebook stalking people trying to find a connection. Oh, there's three mutual friends. Let's reach out to one of them. And it's become like one of our most important meetings, something that we look forward to. We will meet people in lobbies. We'll bring their names and then we'll just sit there and strategize and pray through how can we help this person get connected? And in our churches, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure totally what our, it, we're close to like 800, 900 weekly attendance. So it's not like we have 70 people that we're trying to do this with. And so we've just seen God use that in some really incredible ways to make a big church feel small, to alleviate some of the mm-hmm. crack finding that's so easy to happen in a church our size too. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Steven, it's good. it reminds me of when I was on staff at Cedar Valley, um, our pastor had us come to our pastoral staff weekly meeting on Monday mornings early. <laughs> and you either needed $2 to enter the meeting or two names 
of new visitors that you met. <laughs> and throughout, I interned for two years and was a part of that meeting. And then six more years on staff, I never had to pay the two bucks because I always came with the names and I was broke starting out. So I really needed to learn this, but it's ingrained <laughs> to me to the point where on Sunday we were at our home church and mm -hmm. I met Chris and I met Gina and I met their daughter, Iris. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm not on staff at our church. right? And so, but I just feel like it's so important to help be that bridge to help other people connect. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. as leaders, we put so much of it on ourselves when it can be what you're talking about of equipping the saints to right. do the work of the ministry. And it looks sometimes like this. Hey, Stephen, have you met Dave before? And then walking away. For it sure. can look like getting good at introducing someone to a friend and right. then the, you know, and sometimes that connection doesn't work, but it might lead to another one. And um, in the process community, you talked about like these mountaintop moments, right? Like yeah. wedding day and, and your community's there, moving day mm -hmm. and, and, you know, communities there, the, the valley low moments of a breakup or an engagement that doesn't work out like the community is there, but what about one of your passions is helping ordinary people live a life that's on mission for God and, and kind of that whole idea, Jesus came to give us life to the fullest. What would you say for the person who's, you know, trying to find their purpose and they're feeling like their life is a whole lot of mundane? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, first of all, get in line because that's where we're all at. And I think that's the thing that I, for some reason, and I think social media contributes to this, that when we, we spend, you know, on average, you know, four to six hours on our phones now, you know, and, and so what we're actually looking at is these pictures of the best moments. And, and this isn't a new like phenomenon, but I, I think it contributes to this idea that my life is so boring or my life is so mundane. And the, but the reality is, is that that's how we all are. And we, I've, I've done a bunch of research into this. We spend over like 75% of our life doing mundane, ordinary things like brushing our teeth, preparing wow. meals, cooking those meals. If you have kids changing diapers, putting on clothes, chasing for bath, chasing them, a naked kid who's running around, you know, cause you need to get their towel on all those things. Like we spend so much of our time doing these mundane things. So for me, it's become why wait until like the next extraordinary thing? You know, why wait till when I was in college till the weekend or till summer break or spring break or what I've realized is that that mentality doesn't stop, you know, cause I've experienced a shift as a young parent where it used to be like, can't wait till the weekend, but sometimes weekends with three young kids can be crazy. I'm like, I can't wait till Monday. <laughs> like, I can just sit in a quiet office and, you know, be around adults. And, and, and I think it's like, man, I've got friends that are in their thirties thinking about retirement and thinking about the next vacation. And man, what a, what a sad way to live. Like when we were given this moment today and this beautiful opportunity, like the Bible says to make the most of every opportunity. And yeah, um, you know, today is a mist and it's here for a bit and it, it'll vanish. And I just think we have such an opportunity to see the moment that we're in, um, and, and just make the most of it. You know, so I wake up in the morning, like, who can I meet today? Like how it, it changes the way that I go into a coffee shop. It goes mm -hmm. from, I'm going to go stand in the line and I'm going to order ahead so I can literally walk in, grab my coffee 
I'm the type of person that intentionally goes into Starbucks, stands in line, tries to leave my phone in my pocket, talk to the people in line, talk to the barista, talk to the person making my drink and and just seeing what God's going to do. And those are some of the best stories. And it's also been obviously a contributor to community. It, It affects the way that I engage in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Why, why would we ever buy a house, put all this money in it, and then just like lock our door and close it where I just feel like as, as a believer and as a person, like I'm called to love my neighbor and I should probably start with that guy next door. And so just doing life with people, it's made life so much more fun when every night the garage opens and the kids all flock to one house and we just get to hang out and talk and we do hibachi nights and we do, um, different things with our neighbors. It's just every day presents opportunities for adventure. We don't have to wait for the next great thing. Like it's right in front of us. If we just open our door and allow God to just change our hearts a little bit. I love it. I love the intentionality (laughs) that you and your wife Taylor live with and lead with. And it reminds me of this study that was done, what you're talking about, about like ordering ahead at Starbucks and all of those things. It reminds me of where it all started. There was a study of where did this type of thinking come from? Mm -hmm. And it was with the automated teller machine at the bank. Yeah. It was with ATM. This guy had frustration. He went to the bank and he's, he's like, man, you make small talk with the people in front of you and behind you. And like, surely there's a better way to do this. And now we see it where there's even Amazon stores in select cities where you don't even need to check out. You don't need to talk to another person. You load up your bag. <laughs> yep. Or you load up your bag and you get charged on the way out to your account. Like, and so all of these, there's about a hundred and some mm-hmm. different activities that have all been shaped and it started with the ATM, but it's in the process for an automated transaction. Mm-hmm. It's done away with people skills and it's done away with the small talk of your neighbor and relationships and community has really suffered. Yeah. And so while it's a time saver and convenient and all of those things, I think it adds the necessity for those of us who are attempting to build community or those that are longing for community, we mm-hmm. really have to be intentional and put mm-hmm. the phone away mm-hmm. and visit in line. Or like you said, you have to go inside to pay for your gas or to get something to, to have that human interaction. Yeah. I think I am naturally more old school like that, where Josiah, I'm like, let's go to Barnes and Noble and walk around. He's like, let's just order it on Amazon. I'm like, no, I want the experience. Like, I want to walk around. I want to smell the books. I want to see what's new. And I grew up in a small town. So I know the small town living, the slower pace where you literally go to the grocery store and you're gone for five minutes. That's with the drive, with getting there, checking out and coming home. Like, you're home already. I'm like, we're not in this city anymore, you know? So even just slow slowing down the day to day and not like making it mundane, but enjoying the process. Because I just like, look at living life on mission. What does that look like? You know, what does that truly look like? And what does that truly mean? And I call the cell phone of this generation, like the security blanket. This is the phone is the security blanket of this generation. They're not walking around, sucking their thumbs, taking their blanket around like Linus from um, the peanuts, you know, or Charlie Brown, but they all have their cell phone. And I, 
I don't know. I love to talk to people. I love to interact with people. And Steven, I just want you to take it one step deeper if you want to go there. And what has been your context and philosophy like for young adults specifically? Like how has that evolved maybe throughout the years or um, as you were a millennial reaching millennials and now it's Gen Z? Like has that shifted and changed the way you lead, the way you think, the way you approach? Like how can you encourage or to speak into that for the listener today who's maybe a millennial and we don't always understand, but we need to. <laughs> For sure. I, I I wish I was better about, you know, the man, I, I need help in leading Gen Z and the, the shifts and the changes, like it's hard to keep up with all of that stuff. Um, but I think for one, it's that relationships that doesn't change. And, and I learned that from Brad Lewis, who is in his 32nd year of college ministry at NDSU. And uh, his strategies have very little has changed in his strategy. Uh, we, we just say like, he just like hugs people and that's his ministry half the time and, um, hugs and prays with them. But it's, it's funny just how, like, when I start or when I left, we left and went to New Jersey right before the pandemic. So we had a very small group of friends that we worked very closely with that we had good relationships with. Um, and then we were going to church, but then when the pandemic started, especially in the East coast, like our church right. that we had originally gone to was closed for a year and a half total at the end oh of it. Gosh. Um, and so it was just like, okay, now what, you know, now what we need something. And so we found the value in, if we want relationships, we've got to build it. We've got to do something nice for that neighbor next door to, to show them we love, like it was just totally transforming. So when I came back and one of the things that I was kind of, um, invited into leadership on was how are we going to do young adults? Cause we have such a strong college ministry, but what we've seen is kind of a, a drop off and a very difficult integration process into being a part of our church to really leading in our church. And so that kind of became like the fuel. And so for me, um, I really don't think that young adults need more entertainment. And I think of course, I, I, I mean, I think we'll just never be able to compete. And I see that mm -hmm. sometimes like we're trying to create and some people have the resources and they're really doing it. It's amazing. But what, what really young adults need is they need community. That's the number one thing that we, and, and you were here at our event where we polled our audience and we just really engaged and uh, learned from them. Like oh, there was so many people that said they're highly unfulfilled or unfulfilled in their relationships and in their friendships. And you know, so we need to create that. So we we've kind of shifted from like, we're going to be that monthly worship meeting where somebody preaches and does this, where we're going to really be prayerful of creating value-based gatherings where maybe it's not everybody that comes all the time, but really to equip them. So we're, we're focusing on, so next week we're doing just a cocoa and conversations, just hot cocoa, no agenda other than just getting people to be around each other. We'll have some conversation starters, you know, all those types of things. Um, you know, we're going to do one where it's just career night. So, so we, I was hoping you'd bring that up. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to put people, you know, in a panel, first of all, just to kind of talk about following Jesus in whatever context of career. Um, but then put them at a table with people in a similar career path and just talk about their experiences and, 
and, and get them exposed to what other people are doing. We're doing a lot with finances. We're going to do some with relationships, but just really honing in on where are young adults at? What are they, their greatest need? And for me, the goal isn't young adult ministry is an end. And that's probably the biggest thing that I had seen a lot in just different expressions is like young adults was a destination. Like this was like youth ministry or college ministry or kids ministry, young adults ministry, where I just see, man, no, I want our young adults. They're the future of the church. Like they're the future uh, elders. They're going to be captains in our dream teams. They're going to be the people that 20 years from now are making decisions about the future of the church and leading the church they need to be integrated with the generations today. They need to have serving opportunities today. They need to not Good. be bogged down by, well, I, I'm a greeter for young adults and I'm on worship team for young adults. No, turn around and, and serve with youth. You know, our youth um, worship leader right now is somebody who was a college student. She's on our Sunday morning worship team. And now she said, I want to turn around. I just want to serve the youth. And that just hasn't mm-hmm. been our cultural context. And so it's just been fun to see instead of doing it all for us, let's learn to use our gifts and serve the church in any capacity. Um, and so that's kind of like the long answer, but, uh, just really, I want to equip people for life in the church, but also beyond. And, um, with the context of relationship being kind of at the central, this is the need right now, you know? Yeah. And if you're listening and you're leading in a college campus or a church or a young adult ministry, I would just say what Stephen and the mm-hmm. team at Northview did amazingly well. Best I've ever seen is the night that we were there, actually, right. they surveyed and did mm-hmm. a uh, Mentimeter where it's it's um, just a ton of data collection and giving young adults in the next generation a voice that can shape like, you know, what what questions do you have about adulting? Mm-hmm. What areas of your faith are you thriving in it? What aspects of your life are you struggling in? And so he has now such an incredible read on the room, so to speak, of what their questions are, how, like what their needs are. And as ministry leaders for us to make, you know, spirit based, spirit led decisions, but that are wise in, in that we're ministering to real needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so important sometimes to just ask, like, what do you need? And this is a way to give young adults voice to what do you need? What would help you at work, at home, in life, in the marketplace, with your finances, in relationships? And uh, I just think that that was so, so cool. And this whole concept, Stephen, of like going back to something you said is the drop off. And for mm-hmm. a lot of churches, for some churches that maybe don't have a college ministry nearby, they see a drop off in high school to college age, right about yep. that 18, 19 college age drop off. And what you're describing is an equal, but a mm. similar drop off of people who stayed in faith during college or during those early 20 somethings. And then about 22 drop off. So the young professional, why is it so important for mm. leaders and for churches to focus on ministering to that need like why do you see these drop-offs as important for us to do something about i mean i think the the quick answer is you know if if we and every church is different but scan your church on sunday and look at the people that are in key roles key positions and 
regardless of the generation, if it's all gen- one generation, I I'm going to put up a, a flag, you know, like a yellow flag at the minimum mm-hmm. of it, whether that's all 25 year olds that are leading greeting team, leading worship team, leading every area of teams, or if it's 65 year olds, because how are we passing it on? And I think something that on the other hand of things, I think it can be intimidating. And I've, I've in my church ministry role, uh, I've had more conversations that if I'm being honest, I wish I didn't have to have them about the way that we do certain things or what access certain groups or ministries are going to get and not get. But what I've learned and what I've done is just leaned into the concerns that people have across the board. Mm. And there's just a concern for people in, you know, older generations that are saying, well, I don't want to get pushed out. We feel like we're getting pushed out. Like it's your music. It's your preaching style. It's your furniture. It's your coffee preferences. It's your this. And I'm just going, okay, this is a legitimate concern that I want to equip our young adults to also lean in and learn from and, and do life with people that are in different generations. But obviously on the other hand, there's a discomfort when that's not invited or when that's not uh, presented that I think young adults kind of say like church isn't for me or this church isn't for me. Um, and I think we've, we've done a poor job across the board of, feeling like we've given young adults and college students and young people what we think they need by amping the lights and the different, you know, the, the style of preaching or whatever, not that any style is right or wrong necessarily, but I think what we've thought or what the church has thought over time is like, this is how we keep the next generation engaged is making it more Mm -hmm. fun, making it more exciting, making it more entertaining, making it more like what they're watching, you know, and I've heard this, what they're watching on MTV. And I'm like, nobody's watching MTV, but, um, you know, like this is, this is what they want. Like, this is the concerts they're going to, this is the events that they're, this is the vibe that they get at the, the bar that they, that is competing for their attention where really at the core, we're all created. We need Jesus. Like we long mm-hmm. for something real uh, and we long for relationships with people. And so how do you do that? And mm-hmm. I, I think we've done some different things with our spaces. We One of our cultural values or responsibilities is that uh, we, are, we are a church that lingers longer is something that we've been saying and something that we've been seeing that we want to be the church that has to like flick the lights to tell people like, Hey, we're trying to get out of here. So leave. Uh, we'd rather be that church than the church that has an empty parking lot 10 minutes after dismissal. Yeah. Cause that's the longer the linger. So Disney did this whole study where the longer people are in their parks, the more money that they spend. And that's kind of an obvious cause and effect. But for us in our context, the longer people are in the church, the more, uh, like the deeper the relationships with people are going, cause they're yeah. hanging out over a cup of coffee, sitting on the couch in the corner, standing, you know, in the, in the worship center or the deeper they're going with God, because they're spending a few more moments at the altar, spending a few more moments in the presence of God. Like that's the, the Disney thing is, is money. Ours is like deeper relationships with God and people. So yes, we need to create those environments. We need to, you know, really lean into young adults and, and empower them, 
but also show them the value in learning and, and, and loving with other people. Yeah. And for the listener who's maybe struggling with even this concept of community, because maybe you're a leader and you don't have community yourself. Oh, that's good. I just want to encourage you to start praying that you become a leader who has family and friends to rely on that are healthy, that are safe, that are an opportunity for you to grow as well. Because I think so many times we as leaders can say, this is my role. This is our responsibility to create all these other opportunities for everybody else. It's kind of like when you're flying, they say, put on your oxygen mask before you start putting somebody else's on. It's the same thing. Like I want to make sure that I'm living in a pure and holy life before I start preaching that. I want to make sure that I have friendships and relationships that are healthy and then provide opportunities for other people to not only be invited into our life, but be invited into each other's lives. And to kind of just take the pressure off, I think when we talk about community, I wrote this down and it's our, I think, I believe this may not be your philosophy, but I feel like this is a prompting from the Holy Spirit to share. Um, It's our job as leaders to create opportunity for community, but it's not our job to force friendship. That's good. Because the moment we force friendship, it becomes inauthentic. It feels very transactional very re- versus relational. So I just want to like, just take the pressure off of you as a leader. I just want to give you maybe the freedom to do that. It's your job to create an opportunity for community. It's not our job to force friendship. And um, Stephen, we're not forcing your friendship here, but we'd love to get to know you more. And we've come to the place where we have five and five. I know you like challenges because you've lived a wild, adventurous life thus far with all the stuff that you've been doing. So are you ready for the five and five? Absolutely. Pumped. Five five questions, five minutes. Hopefully we can do it right. All right. Question number one. What's something that you're into and you enjoy doing right now as a hobby outside of ministry? Wow. Okay. So... My first initial thought is magnetiles and dinosaurs, because that's what I'm doing the most right now with my kids. Like I am also doing ballet with my daughter. So those are the hobbies I'm into, but on a real realistic level golf, I I've gotten to golf the last couple of years, love golf. One of my friends got like a, a golf simulator in his garage and we're going to be there this winter. We do it on Thursday nights. We watch Thursday night football on the TV and we hit golf balls uh, in, in his garage. So that's pretty amazing. Hey, well, we'll be over there next weekend or next Thursday. So love it. Just let us know the address. More community. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do it. That is amazing. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. Sorry, so Josiah. We know you're an avid sports fan. And what's your current team that you're cheering for? Wow. Okay. So the Bison, NDSU Bison. Um, you know, once a bison, always a bison. So I follow specifically football and basketball, the closest. Um, and then the Minnesota twins are my ride or die. Um, you know, there's frustration, but I love the twins. I love baseball. Uh, and then I worked for Carson Wentz for three years. So right now, as long as he's playing, I'm just going to have to cheer for whoever he's playing. So it's weird to say, but I'm a commanders fan right now. Oh, man, I respect alive. that. That's hilarious. I, I love respect it. That. Yes, that's awesome. Okay, but here's the curveball. Since you like baseball, you're ready for a curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself a question today, anything under the sun, what would you ask us? Fun, funny, ministry, non-ministry, relationships, whatever. What um what are your goals as parents? So when you look at when you look at your girls and when you look at your kids, like you guys are building 
mm-hmm. ministry and you're, you're like mm-hmm. doing some incredible things. But when you turn and look at the girls, like what is your hopes and dreams for them? Yeah. Do you want to go first? Yeah. I think we have looked at the home that we live in and just like one of our desires is that our girls want to invite other people over. Mm-hmm. They're a little young for that now, but mm-hmm. I, I like our heart is when we think of when they're in elementary school or middle school or even high school, that this can be a, a safe place for their friends mm-hmm. and to, to be a light that way. And I think the long-term goal is that we would have adult friendships with our children. Like when mm-hmm. they don't need to come home anymore and they've launched successfully into whatever's next that they want to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like affection. How do you teach affection? Well, we love because Christ first loved us and you can't control how, if other people like you or love you or not. But I think that that is our goal is to parent in a way. And we've received some incredible teaching from Andy Sandley and his wife, Sandra, on their leadership podcast of Mm -hmm. the four stages of developments Mm -hmm. for kids. And so thinking through and beginning with the end in mind, and I'd say those are a couple of mine. Yeah. I would say aside from like following Christ, like one of our prayers for both girls is like, they would know how to enter into like, into the courts of the Lord with praise. Like they would be able to get into the heart of worship, not that they need to lead worship, but that they would know that this is their safe place is their perfect place. And that they truly do hear the voice of God and that they are a light. So one of our daughter's names means dawn of a new day or to new beginnings. So when I think of her, I think of a sunrise. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, everywhere she goes, like, I pray she lets her light shine. And then our other daughter, her name means like Island of apples or Island of fruit. And her middle name is Rose. So she's like very like fragrant but she's like she's like the wild one like she's like the one that loves life and she doesn't walk anywhere like she's constantly running everywhere when she's dancing she's dancing everywhere and she's the younger one so it's like she's 15 months almost so my prayer is like we raise gritty girls that can um fully rely on the Lord, that they know the word of God, that they can take their friends into those places and spaces with them and that they can just uh, love life and love adventure and live in a way that it's filled with joy, even when the world does not always feel like the most joyful place, but they would be like joy givers or like at the sunrise, everywhere they go, that they would just be bursting at the seams with the attributes of Christ and they would not be tainted by this world. So essentially everybody wants their kid in a bubble. Jesus comes back. <laughs> no, I lo- I love that. I that's like the question that hovers over our life a lot. You know, is yeah, is we're raising these kids, and you know, just the other night. Um, so one of the things that we really value is like forgiveness, and because we know we're gonna mess up, and we know our kids are gonna mess up. So we always want to be the parents that they can come to when they've done the worst of the worst, and mm-hmm. and we're gonna love them, and of course share truth with them or whatever, but. Um, just the other night, my son summit, who's two, I was putting him to bed. He's usually the easiest one to put to bed, but he got new sheets and they have dinosaurs and it's like five different dinosaurs. And so he, but it's like scattered across the whole bed. And so he was like, which one is this one? What dinosaur is this? What dinosaur is this? And after about 20 of pointing to these dinosaurs, I was just like summit it's bedtime. And I kind of got upset with him. And then I crawled in and I gave him a hug and said, I was sorry and gave him a kiss. And then I walked out and then my daughter, Kinsley was four is waiting outside of the door. And she says, dad, it's good that you, it's good that you said you're sorry. And and just like, it was so fun to see her learning this and picking up on those things. 
Um, cause of course we want them to pick up on the good things, but we also want them to pick up on how to handle the bad things. That's good. Um, how to handle and, the bad. Mm. And we're, we're public schoolers. Like we, mm. we want our kids to be light and it's our responsibility to, um, you know, teach our kids and equip them and prepare them for those difficult things that we know are going to come at them. But, uh, we want them to be a light in those places and we, we aren't willing to sacrifice that at least now. So. Yeah, that's good. So good. So on that note, back to you, I think of if you guys were going on family vacation this summer, Mm -hmm. or maybe you could travel somewhere with Taylor that you guys have never been before. What's at the top of the list? So we, we, we like right now we don't know, but we always say we love mountains. We love views. We love cabins. So I've seen some stuff on Switzerland that gets us super excited right now. So that's definitely like at the top of our list. Um, Italy is another one of those places. Just, I think anybody's like, Oh yeah, Italy's beautiful. Um, or Israel for me, just, I, I gotta go once. So yeah. I love that. That's so good. All good places. But All for right, vacation so with our family right now, I feel like grandma and grandpa's because <laughs> vacation with kids right now seems stressful. Oh yeah. Yes. And vacation is not actually vacation. It's taking your household somewhere else with all yes. of the chaos, in addition to all the beds, all the diapers, all the pack and plays and any other little yep. things you need to bring. So yep. we totally get that. Okay. Here's a final fifth question, Stephen, just to encourage our audience today. Mm-hmm. If you could leave the listener with one word of encouragement, what would you want to share? Embrace your season. I think embrace today, embrace the moment you have, um, going back to what I shared before, like we can't guarantee anything past today. Um, also there's so much we can look forward to and I'm a big vision guy and dreams guy, but uh, one thing it comes back to a lot for me is just follow Jesus, not your dreams. Like if you follow Jesus closely and you live your life to please him and follow in his way, and you embrace the moment he's given you and you look with your eyes open, your ears open as you're going through your everyday life, he's going to do far more, you know, exceeding expectations. And, um, so I just think, yeah, embrace today and, and just keep him first, like literally make it the goal to follow him. Um, I love that language, follow Jesus, because, you know, it's not change your doctrine. It's just follow me and let's see where this goes. So, uh, I would say that would be my encouragement today. I love it. Embrace our season, man. That's so good. And Steven, we love you a lot. Thanks for the friend that you are to us, to many, for the encourager and just the community builder and for Mm -hmm. believing in us, believing in the next generation. And uh, if you're listening and you want to find out more about Stephen Glasser and Northview Church, we will put some links in the show notes. But until next time, this is Josiah and Micah signing off. Hey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know. Plug me in, I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.